On today's show, is the Dallas Mavericks defense doomed? Is it fixable? Let's talk about that and the Dallas Mavericks lost to the Kings on today's Lockdown Mavs. I'm Luka Doncic and this is Lockdown Mavericks. I don't believe you shouldn't be here. Loyalty never fades away. And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member and NBA channel manager for the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for being part of the show, making Locked On Mavs your first listen today, where the best way you can help us grow the show is to listen every day and then comment anything below. Let us know what's one thing the Mavs need to do to fix their defense. Let us know in the comment section. I'll probably be doing an episode about that tomorrow and find a bunch of different ways to fix their defense. Today, though, we're going to figure out what's wrong with it. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA, all lowercase, for a first deposit match up to $100. And joining me, he's Reggie Reddy from 105.3 The Fan. What you got for me, Reggie Atatula? That's right. A lovely, lovely day that was ruined by watching fantastic offense. You hate <laughs> to see it, don't you? It was good for like a half. It was like double, <laughs> like double dose of fantastic offense. And then it was just like, oh, it just rolled over. But yeah, you're like too much. This is too much candy. It, our uh, Locked On Kings host, Matt George, it, in the middle of the game was like, playing the Mavs always gives me a headache. And I was like, <laughs> is it because of the rim mic? Have you ever heard the rim mics from in the AAC? They're like right. ridiculously loud. And all like they're doing is hitting game. shots. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, no, because of the ridiculous basketball that gets played. Yeah. There's no defense in in this game, in this game. We'll talk about Josh green. I think he emerged a little bit in this game. Maybe a bright spot from this one. Maybe he turns a corner at this point. Uh, we'll talk about Luca and Kyrie talk about how the Mavericks fell to the Kings and talk about the biggest issues with that. But Reggie, I want to start here because let's pull out big picture a little bit. This Mavericks defense has all of a sudden played the Nuggets, the Bucks, and now the Kings. Those are the team playoff teams from last year that they played where you're like, okay, these are going to be playoff teams again this year. They had a defensive rating. By the way, the Mavs defensive rating in general before tonight's game was 118, which is not great, like 25th in the NBA. Not good, but still 118 points allowed per 100 possessions. The defensive rating the Mavs have had against the Nuggets, the Bucks, and the Kings are as follows. 136.8, wow. 128.2, and then against the Kings, 133.3. That is not what you want. It is not good. It is downright <laughs> terrible, and we got to start here. Is the Dallas Mavericks defense doomed? Is it unfixable? What's the big, Let's start with what's the biggest problem with the Mavericks defense right now? Uh, I mean, it's gotta be, uh, like perimeter defense. It's gotta be that like the likes of that. Like, it feels like the only thing that's there to stop, uh, the easiest and most efficient shot in the world is Derek Lively, who is 19 years old and still acclimating to the league. And with that being the case, um, that is, that's terrifying and not, you know, not because he can't get there, but because that is simply a process that requires time. Um, now, of course, we can talk about buy-in and those things, and I'm sure that's Jason Kidd has talked about that, and that seems oh, to be like the main focus on trying to get this to where it needs to be. But right now, it's just that, oh, other teams, if they're determined enough and know what's happening, can get to the rim and get you know buckets right at the rim. That's that's like the essence of basketball. You need to stop that. And right now, whether you talk about you know fatigue or you talk about you know maybe nursing injuries or whatever. 
it's those things are continually being allowed. And so that's the thing that I see where I'm like, oh, okay, so if we're just going to allow this to be the most efficient type of basketball for the other team, you're not playing good math basketball. This Mavs team has a bunch of holes, a bunch of th- that, things that we knew coming into the season. These are not surprises. These are not things we're looking at and saying, oh my gosh, we thought the Mavs were awesome and all of a sudden they suck at these things. This was going to be a good test. This stretch of games, Milwaukee, Sacramento, uh, both of the LA teams was going to be a really good test for them. And so now we're two games in and we saw how they fared. And I think I'm really concerned about their defense and have been. But you look at the Nuggets game and you say, okay, well, they're just way bigger than the Mavericks. They really struggle with size. You look right. at the Bucks game and you're like, okay, well, they struggle with size with Giannis. And then they also struggle with quick guards that can really get their shot off and, and all that. And yeah. you say, okay, well, the Sacramento Kings have both of those things. They struggle with quick guards. And they also struggle with size with Sabonis. And you're like, okay, well, they can't just struggle against everybody, everybody that's good, right? Like they have too many holes in that sense. They don't have, they don't have any defender, like wing defenders that can hold their own on an island. First of all, that's not really how the NBA works anymore. There's too no. many screens. There's too many things like that. And so it can't just be one guy by itself. It has to be like the Bulls showed us, like the, the Raptors showed us that you have to have one guy that can be really, really good, a Caruso and, and OG and Anobi or whoever, and then everybody else has got to be connected. Yes. And so I asked Jason Kidd, what do you need from your defense after this game? And he brought forth the effort thing again. That's what everybody's told me. I've asked everybody. I've asked Maxi. I've asked Luca. I've asked, I just did the X thing. I've asked Kyrie. I've asked everybody. And they all tell me it's all effort. Good messaging. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So everybody's on the same page about it. So if it's just effort, then maybe effort isn't a sustainable defense. Maybe it just doesn't work with effort anymore because you're going to have these games. Now, yes, this is the second night of a back-to-back. We'll talk about that. I think there's a point in the game where I'm okay saying it was just the second night of a back-to-back. But I think up until that point, and we'll talk about it, I think the defense was still really bad. And I think that if your defense is predicated on effort, if your defense is predicated on, all right, everybody's got to be communicating and got to be like, everybody's got to be zero margin for error and on their P's and Q's. Like, I don't know if that's sustainable because we've seen it now. The personnel is not good enough for them to not be completely on it, 100% bought in all the time, not tired, you know, locked in. And we've seen them play decent defense here and there. But against now the three teams we expect to be probably top five in their conference, Denver, Milwaukee, Sacramento, they're allowing 130 points per 100 possessions, which is just not sustainable in any win. Like pe- people have said, well, they should have beat Milwaukee. Sure, but they also shouldn't have been, they shouldn't be in a game that they allow 128 points per 100, per 100 possessions, Reggie. Yeah, man, like the, the problem goes all the way back to the offseason, right? Uh, Nico did a fantastic job yeah. navigating the waters that they had, but we talked about this and there were certain things that left that you were left wanting on and those things are apparent now. You, you are like the, the basic structure, the foundation of this roster is on a knife's edge because you need to garner everything within yourself and your team in order to play just enough defense for it to make, you know, make up for the the incredible amount of offense. And that's crazy, right? Like you are playing <laughs> the single most efficient basketball that I can imagine with this team. Yeah. And it still requires Herculean effort, it seems, uh, to constantly use the word of the day in order to get you to a game where you can try and close it out in the end. And so what, like, that's what I'm saying when it's, I'm talking about like the math of this. It feels like just the basic structure of it is really tough. And the scary part about that is I don't know how you scheme out of that, right? Because understanding, hey, the defense is what it is, or the, the roster rather is what it is, then it's like, okay, what version of defense is compatible enough or it works in such a way to give you an opportunity? And it feels like 
We just got to do it better. Like that feels like the simple, <laughs> like the effort, only answer. We just got to do it. Right. Better. We just have to do. Well, and then Grant Williams and Tim Hardaway at the beginning of the season would give you the. We just didn't listen to coach in the first half, and then we did, and then and then it worked, right? And so maybe there's some of that. Maybe it's still gelling. Maybe it's still that. And you have a rookie center, and this is one of the things that you mentioned earlier when you're relying on a 19 year old rookie center. I think Derek Lively right now, first like basically his first month of his NBA career, right? We're so early in this. It's, it's not an indictment on yeah. him in any way. A rookie center like that, you're just, you're, if, if a team is dependent on him that much for your defense and that much for your rebounding, which is one of your big issues, whatever Isaac wants to say, it is an issue. If you're relying on a guy that much, your floor has raised a little bit because he is definitely better than the alternatives, yeah. but your ceiling is not raised. Your ceiling actually comes down because then when you're relying on a guy like that and then all of a sudden he plays a you know, a Denver, a Milwaukee, and now a and now Sacramento. Then all of a sudden it gets exposed because he's not going to be as good. He's not going to look as good as he does against the, you know, the, uh, who played for the, who played for the magic, the Gogo Batazis, right? Like he's not going to look as wow. good what as he name. does. That's who started it against the, when the Mavs played the magic recently. I'm glad so, you, I'm glad you had to say the name because I couldn't <laughs> have given you Gogo Batazzi, you said? Wendell Carter Jr. was out. So it was Gogo Batazzi. Okay, I'm gonna have to, to write that one. Got down. drafted by the Pacers like a couple of years ago, but your your ceiling is not as high, and so against yeah. these teams, that's why I was really fascinated to see this test and to see what happened, and we saw what happened, and so we'll talk more about the defense as we go on and throughout the week. I've got Tim Cato coming on this week, and I'm, I want to do a whole episode on like defense and what the yeah. team needs to do and how it's broken, and so we'll talk about that later this week. But coming up, let's talk about this Mavs Kings game. Let's talk about what actually mattered how the Mavericks fell in this game. We'll talk about all that coming up. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. You can go check out Prize Picks right now, see what they got available. And man, it really is just that easy. You go in, I can log in. As I'm talking, I can log in. It gets so fast. You get to the projections already. As soon as you open the app, as soon as you open the front page, you get to the projections and you pick two to six players and you can pick the more or less on their projections and try to pick, all right, let me pick like Dak Prescott. 200 yards, 250 yards, more or less. I'll pick I'll pick more on that. You can pick you can pick all that kind of stuff. You can combine NBA and NFL. You can do all kinds of different things and PrizePix has a reboot policy. So if your entry stays in uh, play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second half. That player gets rebooted. PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury assurance policy. So, check out PrizePix, see what's available for you see what you can get, and see how you can use your knowledge on some of these teams to win some money. Go to pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. Use the code LockedOnNBA for first deposit match up to $100. Pricepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us on Lockdown Maps, being part of the show, part of the Raccoon Squad, listening every day. If you want to support the show, text me, get text alerts from me, Maps updates during the games, injury reports, all that kind of stuff. I'm going to do some film reviews tonight after the, the Bucks and the Kings game, watching some defense. If you want to see some stuff like that, subscribe to the subtext, click the link in the description, text the number. All right, Reggie, let's talk about this Mavericks and Kings game. So Mavericks lose this game. 113 to 129. The Kings offense, man, just did not stop at any point. And yes, the Mavericks are on a second night of a back-to-back. But what did you see from this Kings offense that just torched the Mavericks defense? 
they bent the defense to the point where the rotations got wonky and they just take took advantage there. Mm. Um, it ties into what we were talking about before. Like one of the things that was very evident is this is one of the good teams in the league. And when I say that, the thing that I'm particularly looking at is this is one of the teams where they are concerted enough and they know exactly what they are trying to do and they can be somewhat surgical in attacking that. So first of all, you know, doing the first thing in, in action, pick and roll, something like that to initially kind of bend the defense, passing out of that, you know, driving kick or whatever, and then bending the defense and then passing around, finding the open shot. And then they just hit shots like crazy. Yeah, they did. So that, that was there. And then on top of that, and this comes back to the Derek leaning on Derek lively, what they had rim pressure in a way that I did not see from the Mavericks. Like I was trying to look at various charts to see like, I mean, points in the paint showed up in a big way. And so they had the likes of guys that could go and not just get downhill, but then also finish around Derek Lively. And so those are the things that felt like they kept coming up. Uh, this isn't just Giannis, right? Giannis, obviously, he gets downhill. You try and build a wall. And if you don't do that right, he'll go score around you. De'Aaron Fox is doing this. Demonta Sabonis is doing this. Uh, Keegan Murray is doing this. And I'm like, oh, okay. So this is more of a trend than it is simply Giannis does that to folks. And so that that was the thing is just this offense knows exactly what it's doing and trying to get downhill, getting rim pressure. And then also they knew just as, you know, like the, this defense is going to crash down at a certain point and trying to help those guys in the paint. And then you kick out, you rotate enough, and they're just not connected, to use that word again, connected mm -hmm. enough to keep scrambling defensively and make it tough after two, three passes. Is it bad that you said the 58 points in the paint that earlier when I saw 52, 58 points in the paint, I was like, oh, that's not that many. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, only 58. It wasn't 60. It wasn't 70. They've allowed 72 points in the paint against Charlotte and Toronto, 78 against the Nuggets, seven or 62 against the Clippers, 60 against the, the Pelicans, and then 58 against Sacramento now. Yeah, um, the problem here is that the 58 was just the icing on top of all these threes that they were knocking yeah. down. And that's the problem. Like Toronto, that was the whole pie. Uh, when it comes to Sacramento, that was just part of it. That was one of the courses. 58 points in the paint is not even a bottom five paint defense game for the Mavericks this season so far already. <laughs> we might have been pinpointing the, the, the issue here. Oh, Nick. my gosh. Yeah. It's, well, I mean, it, it, they allow too much penetration with, with their defense, obviously. It's yeah. going to happen with De'Aaron Fox. He was amazing. Mike Brown, after the game, said he should be an MVP candidate. I don't know that he was the best player on the Kings tonight, but he's definitely been the best player on the Kings this year. And so, I mean, he was awesome. He could basically do anything he wanted. Uh, he missed a bunch of shots. He airballed a floater that would just like caught me completely off guard. Because right. It's like, wait, you can do anything you want right now. He's like, the only thing that's going to beat him is himself basically in this game. And it, it never really happened. He never beat himself. Um, and so th this game was, this game was within reach for a while. I mean, even, mm -hmm. Through the, you know, through the first half, Mavericks were only down by five. Kings were playing almost perfect offense. They had 145.8 offensive rating in the first half, which is like, that almost breaks the metric. Like, that almost <laughs> breaks the, I think 159, like, breaks the metric. That's um, just insane. They were 10 of 11 at the rim. Like, just anything they got at the rim was yep. automatic. And then through the third quarter, you say, okay, about two and a half minutes left. Derek Jones Jr. gets an and one. You're down by two. Man, like... There was some sloppy plays, some weird stuff. Mavericks playing bad defense. They are allowing everything. But the Mavericks just keep scoring with them. All of a sudden, whichever team goes cold, that's the team that like is going to lose. And then all of a sudden, between the end of the third quarter, the beginning of the fourth quarter, Kings go on a 22-7, to like just a little burst. Yeah. And the game was out of reach at that point. Eight minutes left in the game. It was 99-116. to I felt like the game was over by that. Do you blame that to – do you blame that – 
just because they're on the second night of a back-to-back, they travel from Milwaukee the day before. They had that like tight, late game against Milwaukee. Then they come down to Dallas and they play that game. Is that where you draw the line, or do you think that's something else? I think that could be playing into it because one of the things that was very apparent to me, and maybe this is just like the particular diet of shots that the Mavs are getting, right? And so those are more prone to, you know, the, you know, ebbs and flows of shooting. But it felt like, you know, the shots just stopped all at once. And I can maybe say, okay, maybe tired legs are starting to hit to where shots are not going exactly where you want them to go. And so if that's, if that's part of it, I can honestly see some of that, but it also felt like, well, you look at one team and they are getting a steady diet of the most efficient shot in basketball, which is layups and dunks and such. And then you get the Mavericks who, even when they are getting downhill, their shots are kind of jumpers over the top in kind of like, let's say five to 10 feet, as opposed to right at the rim. And so it felt like they just had more difficult shots. And of course the shot making on this team can be incredible, but when it's not there, then you find going toe to toe with another elite offense, you fall behind. At least that's the way that I saw it. The Kings also ran the Mavs off the three point line. Like the Mavs did not get enough threes in this game, which is surprising for the Mavericks for them to not get enough threes, but they only took 34. It's just not enough for you to keep up with a team scoring 130 against you, like putting, putting that on your head. Um, But I looked up that stretch. So that stretch from like the end of the third quarter to the beginning of the fourth quarter, where basically the game was just done at that point you go down, you go down 17 to a team that just can't stop scoring. You you can't really catch up. Uh, The Mavs went three of 12 in that stretch. Luca went one of four. Tim Hardaway went one of three. Josh Green missed a shot. Kyrie Irving missed all three of his shots. That to me, some of those just legs, like you just, they ran out of gas at that point. And that was not tenable for them to do that. On the other side, the Kings went nine of 15 in that stretch, four of seven from three and uh, got nine rebounds in that one. The Mavs only got six in that. And also got seven assists, seven assists on nine field goals. Like you're right about the, the bend, bending the defense so much and the De'Aaron Fox had the like the straight line drives and the you know the attacking and Malik Monk did it too and then Sabonis had yeah. the bending the defense with wherever he was on the court you had to be aware of him because of his rebounding capabilities passing capability and just scoring from from a lot of places around the rim and all that and then when those guys did those things then all of a sudden the off-ball guys the Keegan Murray's your um, you know, your Malik Monks or Chris Duarte, who got the start out of yes. nowhere to me. The, the Keon Ellis, who I don't know that many Mavs fans knew Keon Ellis was coming into this game. Your Harrison Did Barnes. Google during this game myself. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> your, your Harrison Barnes is in those. Those off ball guys were moving to all the open spots while the Mavericks were trying to catch up because you have to you have to know where the ball is going to play the Mavericks defense. You have to know where the ball is going. You have to follow, you know, the, you're the last guy to be able to. to to fill in where that help defender went like ran across the floor to try and help. And you have to right. fill in all that. And so all of a sudden the off ball guys were getting, were falling asleep at the wheel because there's so many things you have to pay attention to every single time. Cause there's so much like happening and moving. And so to me, like I do blame the fallout, like the offensive fallout, like it just completely offense fill, fell out from under them at the right. end of that third beginning of that fourth. I do blame that to the, the tired legs and all that, but the defense before that was bad. Like I'm not, I'm not blaming this whole game on second night of back-to-back. There's going to be people that do that. I'm not going to be one of those today. Yeah. Uh, the, I mean, because when we talk about this, the connectedness is also like this. There there have been instances where we've seen teams and even this Mavericks team, well, not this Mavericks team, 
a, a version of this Mavericks team, <laughs> obviously, that they rode to the Western Conference Finals, show that kind of connectedness where they could scramble in those ways. I do wonder, and I don't know if this is like just out galaxy brain or whatever, if those two things are sustainable, seeing a team that can constantly scramble, scramble, scramble defensively, yeah. understanding that they have to do a lot of help defense on initial actions. When we talk about tent penetration, there's a lot of help and then recover and then recover. If you can continually recover and keep the pace that they're trying to go offensively, it just feels like that might be too much to ask of these guys all, all on top of it, you know? Do you know what's also hard with a scramble defense is having smaller guys try and do that, right? Yeah. You don't have the length of of guys that can cover ground a lot more, right? You, you can do that when you have – like think about the Raptors that the Mavs just played. OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, Jakob Pertl, like just huge guys like with long wingspans and all that. Mavs are throwing out Tim Hardaway, Josh Green – uh, you know, Hardy, like all six, five, like all six, five, basically yeah. um, in that coming up, let's talk about Josh Green, because I do think he was the bright spot. Did he turn the corner? And then uh, I think we got to talk about JaVale McGee. Just some weird, hilarious stuff happened with JaVale McGee in this game. And uh, we'll talk about the rest of this game. We'll do, we'll do that coming up. Today's episode brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook has all kinds of odds and lines and stuff that you can get in on the action. If you Listen to Lockdown Mavericks, and you love the Mavericks. You can bet on all kinds of different things. I send out the lines before every single game on subtext. You can get a text straight to your phone. I'll send you what the line is at the time that I send it. You know that you can get that at FanDuel. Go check out some of the games. Go check out some of the uh, awards. And right now, you can get $150 in bonus bets when you put down $5 on a money line, and you win that money line. So if you want to bet a game, you can put that money on the money line there. The app is super easy to use. There's spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Don't forget, put down 5 bucks on any uh, money line, and you win that. You can win $150 in bonus bets. So check it out. Again, FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Shut it down! Oh, Let's go Shut it down is what Jason Kidd did in the six-minute mark of the fourth quarter. He threw he threw in the end of the bench, guys, and everybody went in, and uh, the game was over by that. But before then, we saw Josh Green take, a, I think, a little step forward. He's been a, a, a very disappointing spot in this pretty good start to the season for the Dallas Mavericks. I thought I was excited for him. I was rooting for him. I was, I was hyping him up. Uh, I had a fan come up to me at the game today and say, What's going on with Josh Green? You spent all summer hyping him up, and now he sucks. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, oh. It was my fault? I created the narrative. That's like, right. That's like, right. It's clearly Nick Angstad's fault. Hey, I mean, it, it comes it comes with the territory, Reggie. You're around here. Okay. I'm I'm, I'm learning. I'm, I'm <laughs> so, acquiescing. Uh, but Josh Green, had, he has not been good to start the season. I'll, I'll definitely admit that. But this game, I thought he played pretty well. He, he started the second half. Jason Kidd saw. I thought his defense on De'Aaron Fox was better than what we saw from Derek Jones Jr. early on. He's quicker on his feet. He can he can scramble better. He played 26 minutes, just about 11 points. He hit two threes. He had five assists, which is a huge thing for Josh Green. Four rebounds, two steals. What did you see from Josh Green in this one? And do you think he turned a corner? I think I think he settled, which feels like that's the corner for Josh Green. It feels like the the pieces are always there. It's just is he settled enough to utilize them in any given time? And it felt like the start of the season was almost a little bit of a regression to kind of some of the the frantic energy Josh Green that we've seen before. Like I I make this joke sometimes, and I don't really mean it to be uh, offensive, but, but you're you know, gonna do it again. Like that, <laughs> uh, but like Josh Green, my the first thing I think of is like him jumping in the air, and not knowing where to go. You know what I mean? And so it feels like that's kind of that's kind of his energy is just like sometimes he's got 
a lot of gas without necessarily directing it. It felt like today it was a lot more directed. He knew, you know, spot ups instances. And then obviously when it comes to like trying to stop on ball, like doing those things, those are the things that really popped off to me. And it felt like, okay, this dude's a little bit more settled um, in knowing where he is to be. And some of that I felt like also was like, finding finding the right flow playing with you know the Kyrie situation as well because it felt like that has not settled him as well like when he's playing with Kyrie it just felt a little a little uh a little bit off so I think that finding finding a little bit more uh comfort was really what seemed to jump off the page for me yeah his decisiveness and his just like it feels like now he's fighting for something right he's Mm. fighting for his spot back in the rotation fighting for his spot back in, in his minutes and to me it felt like he showed more of that and he's he's got it. He's got to get better if he if he wants to do that. Like if he wants to take the spot back from Derek Jones Jr. If he wants to and Dante Exum started to take his minutes. If he wants to get that back, yeah. he's got to have those those moments where he creates some stuff here and there. He's got to have the good defense, and he's got to hit a three every once in a while. And he did. He checked right. all those boxes in this game tonight. And so I I think that I hope it turned a corner for him. I hope it just got him back to where you know where we hoped Josh Green would be in year four at this point with the Mavericks signing him to the extension and all that. But yeah, I, I thought it was good stuff from him and we'll see. I mean, that's all we can say. It's like, all right, well, Josh Green had a good game and we'll see if it continues. Yeah. I mean, that, that feels like it's the case. And I, I don't know if in the way that I described it, if that came across, it just feels like it doesn't feel like anything particularly different happened. And maybe it's just my eyes. It just felt like, okay, this is a, this is one of the good ones. And it feels like <laughs> yeah. the, the getting, getting that a settled established and then having that consistency is really the big thing for Josh Green because that's what you want from a starter or like a major minute player or whatever is that consistency. And so finding that, I think, is the big thing in my estimation. Uh, maybe one of the good ones, maybe not one of the good ones in as far as centers <laughs> in Mavs history. JaVale <laughs> McGee, I got rid of the drop. I had a couple people text JaVale me and say, McGee. you got to bring the drop back. I was like, no, it's done. I'm out. JaVale McGee gets into the game. He plays for the Sacramento Kings, by the way, if you didn't know that. Still getting paid by the Mavs for the next five years, by the way. $2.2 million every year for the, from the Mavericks. Uh, just like a cool couple mil just going to JaVale McGee every two years. Uh, every for every year for the next five years. Minute 50 left in the first quarter. Tim Hardaway Jr. gets a layup. He falls, or then JaVale McGee falls on top of him. And then Tim Hardaway Jr. puts his hand like kind of in his throat to try and push him off. Like he just reached out to try and push him off of it. And so his hand got like in his throat. JaVale McGee immediately pops up and you just saw, I mean, you saw crazy in his eyes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. saw it right in his eyes. He gets the finger, wags the finger right in Tim Hardaway Jr.'s face. He's like, don't do that to me. Some choice words as well. Yeah. Yeah. I did not use the words. Exactly. (laughs) I would have to use the, I would have to use the button too much. Like, Hey, you get, yeah, I'd have to use the button. Uh, wags his finger in his face and then Tim Hardaway Jr. immediately gets up, doesn't face him, turns around, walks the other way and is kind of like laughing at it as double texts are called and all that. It ends up being a tie game almost immediately after that. But um, JaVale McGee and Tim Hardaway Jr. got beef. Apparently, apparently. And this is the thing is it does feel like those two. It doesn't feel like JaVale has beef with the Maz because in, in moments just after that, seemed like he was talking with Kyrie Irving in a relatively calm way. So I was like, all right. So it doesn't seem like he just got beef with the team. <laughs> and and this is me just kind of trying to put things together. I could easily be wrong. I'm off in that anyways. Um, with the shot that goes up that ultimately kind of causes this stumble that happens. Yeah. It it was not within his, his realm of blocking it. 
except he, he seemed like he really wanted he that. He wanted one. it. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, is that is there is there something here? Is that what this is? Because he he popped up real quick to what felt like it did not rise to that occasion, but it just felt like the opportunity. It was the wrong person put his hands on him and he he could not abide by that. And so the finger came out, the choice words came out. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, did, do you think that spurned him to the play that he ultimately gave as the, as the game went along? Or <laughs> that was right when he came in the game. Yeah, it was. And then JaVale ended up uh, finishing the game with what? He, he finished the game with, he hit two shots, seven boards, steal a block. He had one of his patented hook shots that we, we've been used to with the Mavericks. But there's got to be something behind this, right? It did not, like you said, the play did not warrant JaVale McGee to get up and wag the finger right in Tim's face like he did uh, at this point. There had to be something behind it. And you know what else I saw with JaVale McGee? Luca wanted to cook him so hard. Like Luca, Luca, <laughs> there are certain players that Luca, you go back to media day two years ago. Isaac and I sat down with Spencer Dinwiddie and we asked everybody the question, what's something annoying about Luca? It's one of our most viral videos we've had. And we asked him what's something annoying about Luca, and he said Luca will be handed two different player profiles from Mavs analytics. One of them will say you score like 1.2 points per possession on a player. That's great. Like you know, and the other one will say you score like 0.8 points per per possession on this guy. That's not that's not good. So you should try to go after the guy that you score well against, and not right. the guy that you don't score well against. And Luca will look at that and say. No, I'm going after the other guy. And yeah, we that's both, a challenge. I, I feel like that's just like a miscalculation of the character of the human being, which and, is you thought that this was a deterrent, where in actuality <laughs> it was a challenge to now I need to raise this number. <laughs> I think that that's, that's, the, that's the misconception here. And by the way, that those two players were definitely Mike Conley and, and go, Rudy Gobert. Uh, we, we definitely <laughs> called that out right in the moment. You can go watch that clip, and Isaac and I were like, oh, we know exactly who you're talking about. Right. It's not to say that JaVale McGee is the best defender on Luka, but it's just that Luka will, will hunt out any matchup that he wants to take advantage of. We saw it earlier this year against uh, Dorian Finney-Smith and against said Spencer Dinwiddie. We've seen it against certain players where he just wants to go after everybody. It's the thing that makes him one of the best players in the world. And uh, yeah, he definitely wanted to go after JaVale McGee and he was like, I'm coming at you and I'm going to cook you. And I, he wanted it to be bad. Not just, I want to get by you That's with right. a score. I want you to fall down. Yes, I, I I am here to eviscerate you. Yeah. I want to embarrass you in front of your friends and family. Yeah, like, no, it was. And look, I this is one of those things where, you know, you kind of have to take the good with the bad, it feels like. I mean, there's certain things where it's like, hey, the complaining, we can probably try and weed this out. But yeah. this this is one of those things that have just feels like you kind of got to take the good with the bad in it. And I hate saying that because, hey, I'd prefer you to do the efficient thing and, you know, focus on winning the basketball games over everything. But that's like you mentioned, this is part of what makes him incredible at what he does. And so, yeah. And in this instance, I don't know that that's what lost you this game in particular. Um, but yeah, that I, it gave us a nice little, uh, sub storyline to watch as uh, JaVale McGee was in there doing JaVale McGee things. Oh man. Doing JaVale McGee things. Exactly. Exactly how it should be said and has been said for all of time with JaVale McGee. That is absolutely true. Real quick. Can I ask, did you feel like it was a relatively good showing for JaVale McGee? Cause I was like, I, f I thought this is kind of what I imagined JaVale McGee could give relatively consistently. Yeah. I mean, the numbers were fine. I, I think he's still. He still gets in his own way with certain things. He had the point, the point Javale possession where he yes. has the, he has the ball and he's dribbling up the court because nobody else is is near him and he's like, oh, I can just take it myself. And then he throws the ball immediately right to Luca like, instead of instead of his player. Maybe that was his uh his his peace offering, you know. He's <laughs> like, here, here, take take this back. We can just play basketball now. 
But no, I mean, I guess it was fine. Like the difference, the difference for them, like they, they have to figure out that spot because the Alex Len, that kind that spot was just not working really mm-hmm. well for them. And like when Sabonis sits, they're trying to figure out also Trey Lyles was out and that was kind of their answer last year. And so as soon as Trey Lyles comes back, I think they, they play small and then they, they you'll work it out that way. But yeah, I guess it was, it was fine from Travail. Let us know in the comment section what's one thing the Mavericks can do to fix their defense. I'll talk about all that tomorrow on the show. Again, Tim Cato coming later in the week. And then, uh, man, we've got we've got a couple more games that we'll talk about slightly. We'll be back with me. So a lot of stuff on Lockdown Mavs. Go listen to Reggie Atatula on the fan. When are you on this week? Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday evening, 7 to 11. 105 through the fan. PM, and, rather. 7 to 11 PM. And then you can uh, you can tow and you can low on that because you've got, you've got the shirt right there. <laughs> the, I forget it's mirrored. I gotta, yeah. <laughs> which I, which means turn it on, leave it on on the fan, and uh, yo. So there you go. Go check out Reggie there. And guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Mavs. Peace out. Boom.